Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa, and today we're starting a new series of messages on the topic of community. And you might be wondering, why are we doing that? Well, last March, as you know, we were all told to shelter in place and to stay far away from one another and to distance uh, from people for, in California, we were told to do that for two weeks uh, initially. And we were told to get the essentials of uh, what we would need and then head home and isolate for a period of time. And so I started thinking back through those early weeks, and my wife and I, we went to Sam's Club, and here's a picture of, of the Sam's Club as we were walking in, sort of beginning to assess. We didn't see like the frenzy like we saw on the news, but there's a lot of people in Sam's Club, and uh, for me, emergency preparedness is not one of my strong suits, and so it was really difficult to know, what do we need for two weeks? <laughs> I think... Looking back, I think that's kind of funny because generally we would shop for a few weeks of groceries anyway, but what do we need and, and how do we know that we've got the right essential items? Uh, what I do know is I spent a lot of money on essential groceries those first few trips to the store during that shelter in place. And at Sam's Club, I noticed a lot of people had masks, some people had gloves. Uh, this was right in the very beginning and I just remember looking around thinking, this is so strange. It feels like like a movie. That evening, I went to some friend's house, and our family uh, joined with some friends, and we watched uh, Spider-Man, one of the more recent Spider-Mans, because by midnight, everyone was told, you need a shelter in place by midnight. And so we left their house, we came home around midnight, and it felt, again, just so so much straight out of a movie. And then we waited to see what was going to happen. And, and for a while, we only went out for walks in our neighborhood, we were told that exercise during this period of time is essential. And so we would go on walks in our neighborhood and we would try to distance ourselves uh, from people that we might encounter. And then all sorts of things went online. For example, our church, we went online. And, and if you've been tracking with us, you know we did that. And as a staff, we would meet briefly to film what we needed for the weekend, And but we worked remotely. All of our small groups, we went online. We attempted to do small groups through Zoom. Some of you didn't get to shelter, though. Some of you actually were told by your own industries that, or by your uh, workplace that your industry was deemed essential. And it was, it was fascinating to see the list of what was considered essential and what was considered non-essential. And the dictionary's definition of essential is this. It's of the utmost importance. Now, for a very long season, I had to get used to imagining uh, since... Initially, churches weren't considered essential, and our gathering wasn't considered essential, and the building we met in was shut down. We had to get used to just doing online church for a period of time. For us as a church, it was six-month only online services. And I had to get used to imagining who might be on the other side of the camera, who, who might be watching these messages. And I, and I would put pictures up of people from our church. And uh, But for a season, this was just the typical weekly routine. I would I would head into a film studio, uh, either our church or a local church or friends, and just we'd shoot the videos. And I would just try to pray and wrap my mind around uh, the, the people that would be watching that. And I thought to myself, 
You know, this time of isolating from others, it for some might bring maybe some much needed rest. Uh, even for myself, I, I remember thinking and feeling somewhat guilty that uh, life slowed down. I've been running at a pretty frantic pace, and but I also thought maybe this is just God's way of refocusing me on some things. Maybe you felt that way as well. Maybe what you needed was a reset uh, for rushing around in your life. And most of us, we really began to shift life to online. Everything went online. Everything became digital. So food delivery, digital. Grocery services, worship services, games with friends, Zoom meetings, working remotely. I think many of us really began to consider maybe maybe we really can get by long term like this. We could just stay digital. Maybe we don't really need to be that social after all. Maybe this thing of community with others really is not essential. For a long time, uh, that was what people were wrestling with. And and I think initially introverts were probably secretly loving the shifts of of some isolation, some sheltering. It took a break. Uh, if you've been worn out, maybe you just, again, maybe you enjoyed some of the, the, the slowing down and the sheltering. While the extroverts were maybe just going stir crazy and just ready to, to get out and, and relate face to face. It's been an interesting experience. Now that the digital age that we're living in set up rather nicely, uh, for all of these circumstances and, and these experiences. We pretty much had all the tools that we needed to survive this season. Not everyone knew how to use all of the digital tools, but as time really began to roll on, we learned the tools, and now more and more digital tools just keep developing. But with all of the digital developments, we got all these new tools, and we've got to ask ourselves, have all of these things helped? Have these advancements and tools helped? Are we really better off? Does progress really make life better? Like, has online shopping made your life better? Or digital books, audio books, has that made your life better? Would you say that you've experienced improvement because of cell phones and smartphones? Would you say that Zoom has really improved the quality of your life? Overall, has digital innovation truly made our lives better? In 1955, C.S. Lewis, the uh, author of some familiar series like Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, he wrote in his autobiography called Surprised by Joy, he he wrote about an idea and coined a phrase that relates to this idea we're somewhat talking about, how things are developing. And he coined a phrase, the phrase is chronological snobbery. And here's the statement from Surprised by Joy. He says, this is the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate common to our own age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is, on that account, discredited. Basically, what C.S. Lewis is saying is, we just accept what comes through progress and we assume that development is best. And we've wrestled with this. Is that really true? Is all of the development really better? Are we better off as a society? Are you better off because of all, all the digital advancement, advancements? You know, for a while, I, I thought that with the move away from face-to-face gatherings, this might bring a huge sweeping shift 
for the way that we see life, the way that we do life, and, and specifically in relationship to church. As a pastor, the question on my mind regarding churches being forced to shut down their weekly morning gathering. For us, that was 15 months of not having a weekly morning gathering. The question that would often come up is, how will we emerge after this thing is all over? Will we even need this face-to-face gathering anymore? Are, are, who's going to come back? Will people actually return? Or will they just get so used to accessing everything online? I read a number of articles arguing for churches to pour the majority of their available budget and funds towards the development of the digital space for churches. And I, I really wrestled through that thought of should we, how much of our church's funds should we direct towards the development of our online experience? But this all really raises the question, do we need to gather with real people in real spaces? Well, for us at OCC, for the first time in 15 months, last Sunday, we actually gathered together in the morning, Sunday morning, live back at Orange Terrace Community Center. Some of you were there and and you experienced that. You know, if our extended time away for a morning gathering has revealed anything, we've learned that community is essential. Community is of utmost importance. This was tested in a variety of ways this past year. Maybe you thought that you could get by without sports teams and social clubs and classroom gatherings and small groups and neighbors and relatives and coworkers. Now, if we're referring to our church community, we're referencing how we as a group are built on Jesus. Because Jesus, he is our common unity. This series, we're calling it community. because two words, common and unity, makes up that word community, the idea. Now, I love that we have variety in our church. We're not all the same here at OCC. Uh, I enjoy the differences that we can experience in groups, different perspectives, different ages, different backgrounds. There's power that flows from our community. And our starting point is that we actually have a common hope. In the New Testament, Similarly, first century churches brought together all sorts of people who shared a common hope. Right from opening day, day one of the church, 3,000 people had their lives halted and they came face to face with an essential issue. And together they found themselves without hope. They were wandering. They were looking for answers. And I want to look at what was recorded in the New Testament about this. Opening day of the church, Acts chapter 2 Verse 37 through 44. So the, the setting is Peter, one of Jesus' close followers, he found himself preaching to a huge crowd about Jesus. God sent his spirit to indwell Christ's followers. The spirit of God who lives inside of a Christian came and, and uh, began to uh, indwell and, uh, and fill uh, the church, those followers of Jesus. And it created a big frenzy. And so Peter stands up and begins to speak to the crowd who saw what was going on. And he began to preach Jesus to people. He was preaching about Jesus, the Son of God, who who was sent to save those without hope. And this massive crowd of people gathered around Peter. And as they listened to Peter's message, this group began feeling conviction in their heart. It's like God was chipping away at the hardness of their heart and they were drawn in and they were hanging on Peter's every word because they realized they were without hope. They were outside of God's family. 
Uh, many of these people were God-fearing. They believed in God, but they, were, they would say they were far from him. They had wandered spiritually. And Peter, he extended an offer uh, for a fresh start. So look at verse 37. We'll pick it up right there. It says, When they heard this, meaning their message about Jesus, they were pierced to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Tell us, Peter. We need to know. We, we, we all have this common need. We're without hope. And so someone asks for the whole group, tell us what we need to do. And Peter replies, repent. He's essentially saying, stop going your own way. Turn around from going your own way and start going God's way. That's what the idea of repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change in, in action. He says, repent and be baptized. Baptism is a symbolic identifying act. It means we're saying, I identify with Jesus. I, I belong to him. I, I identify as one of his followers, as a Christ follower. So Peter says, tells the crowd, repent, turn around, stop going your way, be baptized, each of you. Interesting phrase, each of you. This is actually a decision to follow Christ for each individual. Mom, dad, your grandma, your best friend, those people who may believe in and follow Christ around you, they can't decide this for you, Peter says. Each one of you. This is a personal decision. Then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's God who himself who came to be with us. God with us. Jesus Christ. Believe in, in the name, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, why? Well, it's because sin, wrongdoing, crossing God's boundaries... Whenever we do that, it separates us from God. It's a problem for all of us. We try to stop sinning. We try to stop doing wrong. But we just keep sort of defaulting back to this default of sin. It just comes really natural to us. And God, he became human, the person of Jesus, to bear our sin. He took it upon himself on the cross, and he suffered and he died. In our place, he paid for your sin. He paid for my sin problem. And then he says... Peter tells them, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself will come to live in you. So he's, he calls people to turn away from going their own uh, direction, their native direction, and to yield their lives to Jesus. And then he makes this statement, verse 39. He says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words he testified and he strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. Now this whole way, this whole system of the world is moving in a different direction that offers cheap substitutes for what might save us and might give us lasting hope. And so Peter's preaching about that. He's, he's urging people to turn to Christ. Peter is offering the way to salvation. He's offering the way to be rescued and, and the way to be forgiven and the way to draw close to God apart from our own goodness, our own attempts at living a good life. This is the good news, is that there is hope found in Jesus outside of what we do. God has done the work uh, through sending his son Jesus for us. Now, I don't know if you are into old music. I, I am. I, I guess you could even say that I'm 
somewhat sentimental with my music choices, but one of the area, types of music I like is hymns. I like old hymns. And it's probably because I was raised in really small little Baptist churches, and we would sing these hymns, and we would sing a lot at our churches, and uh, Sunday night sings, and Wednesday sings, and Sunday morning sings, and it was it was just probably part of our family tradition, and, and so I learned a lot of songs. And in those churches, we had we had some good um, singers, and so I enjoyed that experience. And but one of my favorite hymns is the hymn "My Hope Is Built on Nothing Less," and it was written by a man named Edward Moat. And if you see this picture here, it's an, it's not a great picture, but he kind of looks like Bilbo Baggins. But it's not Bilbo Baggins. It's Edward Moat. And so he was a man who grew up without religious training, uh, whose parents were pub owners. And he embraced this promise of life built on Christ. And he wrote this hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. So the lyrics are these. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And this this hymn, it's it's got imagery. And the imagery of the hymn is this. It's 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 that of rock solid support for life that is found only in Christ. And I wonder if, if young Edward Moat knew and maybe heard stories of people as he was growing up hanging out in his family's pub, the watering hole of the town. I wonder if maybe he just took note of people who who were building their lives on different things. And I wonder if at a certain point, as he heard people relating, I wonder if he concluded that so many people were building their lives on sinking sand, things other than Christ. Some would be building their lives on fun. Some would be building their lives on pleasure. Some would be building their lives on storing up money and resources. Some would be building their lives on family. Some would be building their lives on maybe their career and their identity with that. And You know, he probably wrestled with this thought, and maybe that is what caused him. I, I was looking for what was the motivation. Uh, but it's interesting that he was the son of, of pub owners, and so he obviously interacted with a lot of people. He obviously probably heard people and their life stories. And so now some of you may know that about a month ago, uh, our family, we discovered a, a water pipe slab leak and it was under our island. And, and so we had to have uh, the flooring removed in that area and the island removed. And, and But before the plumbers could come out to do the repair on the pipe, uh, someone mentioned to me that really this might have been going for a while. And he said, I wonder how long that pipe has been leaking under your foundation or in your slab. And he mentioned, he said, hopefully you don't have a sinkhole. And I, I kind of looked at him and I, I had to sort of battle back some worry. And, and it's a bad idea to Google sinkhole in a house because here's where you're going to find. You're going to find different pictures where you see these, the front yard just totally gone or uh, the 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 house falling into the earth and and uh, in this one case the second photo here is in Mexico there was this huge sinkhole and took in a building and we had nothing like that <laughs> took a little bit of jackhammering plumber was able to repair the pipe but and we're totally fine <laughs> but those images those will frighten you those images actually just underscore the importance of considering what are you building your life upon. That's what Peter was really preaching to the crowd. 
He's preaching hope that you can build your life on with confidence. If you're leaning or trusting in anything other than Christ, then what are you trusting in? And, and will it actually hold you up? Or is this sinking sand? As Peter, as he offered the good news, here's what happened. Verse 41, it says, So those who accepted his message were baptized. So all sorts of people were baptized. It says, And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So the church, around 100 people, all of a sudden grows by 3,000 more people on opening day. And here's some comments as we read on. On the essentials that unified them. See, they had a common hope in Jesus. So verse 42 reads, So they, speaking of the church now, this church of a little over 3,000 people now, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There were practices that they that they did. They wanted to hear the stories of, of what Jesus did, so the apostles' teaching. The apostles were sharing all that Jesus taught, said, and did. And then they shared life with one another in fellowship. Uh, that fellowship is a face-to-face interaction. Uh, they broke bread together. They remembered the sacrifice that Jesus uh, made. They, they shared meals together. They prayed together. Verse 43, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Here's this idea of common. There's Community is really powerful. It's something that we didn't think up. Our name, Orange Crest Community Church, uh, it's intentional, but we certainly didn't come up with that. Community, we started seeing community right here in the early church. But what a challenge for them. How difficult would it have been to pull together a group of 3,000 people with all of their differences? You know how they did it? Well, it's because they held a common hope in Jesus. And it's amazing how, how you consider our distinctives and, and our differences, they could really divide, but Jesus is actually where we find our common ground. He can bring together young and old. He can bring together engineers and artists, Hispanics, blacks, whites, Asians, athletes and accountants, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers. In heaven, we're actually going to see this full display of the mosaic that we make up. Here on earth, though, we get to see little inklings of that. And here in Southern California, we sort of have a melting pot experience, and so we get to see our variety, and we can share our common hope in what we call community. It's really amazing. It's powerful. I think what has really held us together through such a divisive time in, in, in culture is Jesus. Christ Jesus. When we rally our lives around Him as our, as our center point, we, we stand on level ground. If you're here and you're feeling like you're just too far gone, maybe you're here and you think you're out of God's reach. Maybe you feel like you're those listeners who, who Peter's referring to. Well, here's the good news again. Back to Peter's sermon. He says in verse 39, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now you might be wondering, how do I know if, he's, if God is calling me? How do I, I know if God is, is, is reaching out to me and drawing me in? Well, for some, it sounds like a megaphone. It's like God is shouting at us. Whether through our pain, through loss, through grief, through sickness, through hurt, it's like He's shouting at us. Some people would say, yeah, He's definitely calling me. For others, it might resemble more of like, like a still, small whisper. 
just that small voice, that nudge. Maybe it's really gentle, but you still you hear it. Or for some, it, it might be a call that really leads you to need to investigate further the claims of Christ. And so you've gotten curious. Maybe you're you're watching because you're just you want to know more about Jesus and how he fits into our world and even your life. And so you're digging into the Bible. You're reading about his life. I'd encourage you to read read his story in the New Testament. You can read the first four books of the, the second division of the Bible. It's called the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And <clears throat> just gives you his, his biographies. You'll see his life through four different eyewitness accounts. But you get to know Jesus. And maybe through this investigating, you sense God's calling you to know him personally, to know Jesus personally. For some... Maybe you've gotten your questions answered. Now you'd say, I'm clear. But maybe you'd say, I'm still sort of gripping the steering wheel of my life, meaning I'm still in charge. And maybe right now you're finding yourself at the crucial decision point. Maybe you're standing at a spiritual crossroad, and that's what has led you here. Well, whoever you are, and with whatever you're going through today, if you hear God calling you, like Peter is describing, then you can respond. You can turn to Christ even today. We would invite you to do this. Please let us know how we can help you connect with Jesus personally. So years later, after Peter's sermon to that crowd, this movement just continued to grow. And a man named Paul was writing a letter after the Christian movement took root in a city that you'd hardly expect. The city was Ephesus. It's modern-day Turkey, but the city of Ephesus was far from where Jesus' life and ministry occurred amongst the Jews. And I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, some verses out of Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. It reads this. And Paul writes to the church, and he's writing to people who had become Christians, and here's what he says to them. He writes, at that time you were without Christ. So he's writing about before you knew Christ, before you had become Christians, you were, you were without Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. So people that were Jews had a relationship with God. Uh, they were, they were, uh, they had the law of God. But to these people in this church in Ephesus, uh, many of them were Gentiles. And, and he's writing to them and he's saying, You're, you are foreigners to the covenants of promise. You are without hope. You are without God in the world. Essentially, you are without a prayer. You were, you were far outside. You, you didn't look at yourself like an insider. But now, things have changed. Now in Christ Jesus... You who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14 reads, For he is our peace, who made both groups one, and he tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Now that's a picture of this Jewish and Gentile tension where there was a barrier between the Jewish groups and the the nations, the Gentiles, the outside nations. What he's saying, Paul is saying, Look, Jesus is our peace. He made the two groups you know, two separate groups, one group. Jesus brings community. And in verse 17, Paul writes, He came, so Jesus came, He proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. Verse 18 reads, For through Him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So, so then you're no longer foreigners and strangers, not outsiders anymore. No, you're fellow citizens with the saints and, and members of God's household. You're part of this community now. And Paul's describing this community made up of all these different kinds of people. Verse 20, 
You're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Jesus is is the crucial uh, character in the story. Uh, the cornerstone, Jesus is being described here by Paul. The cornerstone, here's an image of a cornerstone on a building. It's the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. And all, all those other stones on a building are set in reference to the cornerstone. And so Jesus, he's the chief cornerstone that we, if you're a Christ follower, we're built on. If you follow him, then we hold this in common with one another. This is why we'd say he's our common hope. Why we don't come to, to church and sing our names. We don't sing about how great we are. No, we, we come and we sing about how great he is and what Jesus has accomplished to make us right with God. We sing to him and we sing about him. He is our common unity, our living hope. And so in this series, we want to invite you to continue with us. We're going to look at the specifics of all that we hold in common here at OCC. We're going to look at what ties us together and why we are actually a group. Why are we together? Why are we community? Well, it's because of our common mission, our common values, our common strategy, our measures, and our common vision. But our starting point is our common hope, like we've looked at today. And rather than highlight our differences, we want to focus on what makes us community. So I hope you'll join us. Maybe, maybe it's the perfect time to join us. Maybe you have realized through this past year that you need community around you. And maybe you've hit the limit of digital spaces, and maybe you just need more than that. Yesterday, my wife and I, we picked up our middle son from the airport. We picked him up from John Wayne Airport in Santa Ana, and he had been gone for three and a half weeks on a mission trip, and we really missed him. And we had been able to FaceTime with him a few times over the three and a half weeks, but uh, we we wanted the real thing. <laughs> FaceTime was starting to to get old, and we, we wanted a hug. And he would call us and he'd say, I just, I need a hug. I want a hug. And so we went to the airport, and we held up a sign for him in the airport with his name on it. And when we saw him in the flesh, we actually swooped him up, and we hugged him. And I invite you to enjoy and explore true community here with us. We're, we're real people, real real time real life in a real space and we'd love for you to be a part of things let us know how we can help you in your journey that digital connection card is a great starting point to let us know that you are here and if you'd like to say hi please let us know reach out uh, a few next steps i wanted to highlight the first one is this would you consider attending the rest of this series in person we're meeting now again live sunday mornings at 9 and 10 30 we would love to see you face to face with others we'd love to to see you again right there in the flesh the second next step is this to bring a friend who needs community and would you would you consider who is that who maybe around you is lacking community right now and maybe would just love an invitation to be included in your spiritual journey and in your church experience the third thing is this would you consider moving forward take another step in your personal relationship with jesus and that, that's going to be different for, for you. And so consider what does that mean? Maybe it means attending the next OCC preview, an event to learn more about our church. Or maybe it means on, on your connection card, letting us know specifically uh, areas that you'd like input in or growth in. Maybe you have a specific question and you, you'd like someone to, to talk with you. And so please let us know how we can help you move forward 
in your faith. And so thanks for joining us and let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, this opportunity to look at your word and to, to hear this uh, story of, of the first century church and how Peter was able to uh, preach a message that was timely for those that were lacking hope. And I know many who are watching right now uh, would identify with that crowd who is wandering and who is in need. And Father, there's many in our church uh, that are still struggling. And uh, there are those even on the fringes and looking in from the outside that, that need uh, a real relationship with you. And so God, we just I pray that you would draw hearts, call people to yourself, um, do the work internally in all of us, Lord, that we would say yes to you. For those that, that have questions, Lord, I pray that you would prompt people to have the courage to ask their questions, to get clarification on what it really means to know Jesus and to walk with him. And we thank you, Lord, for the sweet uh, interactions we have begun to share once again. We thank you for making that available to our church again. We praise you, Lord, for your provision of a space where we can gather. And so, Lord, help us to not uh, miss out on the opportunity uh, to share life in community. We praise you for all you've done to make that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.